Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Aron. So without further ado, here he is. God, we thank you for the opportunity this morning to praise you and to sing songs to lift your name up. Uh, We need to continue to just worship you because you are worthy. And God, as we open up your word together this morning, this isn't just a talk, uh, God. We, We are people that need to hear from the living God. And we believe, God, your word has authority and power to speak to us, God. So I pray, God, that you would just till the soil of our hearts, that we would be able to hear what you want to say to us. And God, I just acknowledge I am your servant right now, so I pray your Holy Spirit would use me and empower me to bring your word forth. Uh, God, we pray this for the sake of your glory, for the sake of your church in this world, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So Ivana and I saw a movie a couple weeks ago, and one of the main characters was a college economics professor. And it brought me back to my college days when I took a bunch of economics classes. And I wish I remembered more uh, than I do. So kids, pay attention when you're in school. Listen. Uh, But one of the things I remember from those economic classes was the whole concept of supply and demand. It's one of the most basic concepts in a free market economy. Simply put, if the supply of something is great and the demand is small, the price goes down. Vice versa is true. If the supply is small, the demand is great, then the price goes up. Let me give you an example. When I was a kid, I used to collect sports cards. It was one of the highlights of my childhood. I loved going to the card shop with my friends and my brother looking at the cards in the cases and buying a pack of cards and the anticipation of who I'm going to get. And I can't tell you how much money I spent over the years, but it wasn't a few dollars. Definitely in the hundreds of dollars, if not a thousand or two thousand dollars over the years. And you guys are thinking I'm crazy now. So I had probably accumulated 30,000 sports cards. And that's a very conservative estimate. Uh, So they were being stored at my parents' house until a few years ago, and I brought them to a card shop to see how much I could get for them. Now, remember, I've spent lots of money on these cards, and everybody back in the day said, hold on to your sports cards. They're going to be worth something someday. So I go to the the card shop owner, and he does his calculation, and this is about 25,000 cards I'm handing over to him. He gave me $6 and some change. So what happened? (laughs) Supply and demand. In the 1990s, they started to overprint sports cards. The supply went way up, and they became absolutely worthless. And I've been thinking about supply and demand when it comes to community. There's a God-given desire in us for community. There's always been a demand for community within us because God has wired us 
to be in relationship with one another. It seems now more than ever that people are desperate to find authentic community where they are known and loved and cared for. Yet let's, let's be honest. It seems like the supply is lacking. Even the generation being built on social media where the possibilities to connect are really endless. I think there are a lot of benefits to social media, so I don't want to just poo-poo social media this morning. But in many ways, social media has exasperated the deficit of community because the connections being made are often very shallow and self-centered. And then there's the whole struggle of comparison and the fear of missing out. Anyway, I believe God wants to see his people living in authentic biblical community. And then he wants to offer and supply this to us. So what's going on? Why is it often such a struggle to experience community? Why does the supply seem to be lacking? This morning we're going to look at Philippians 2. And this passage is going to help us remember God's vision for community. And really the absolute treasure and gift that community really is to us. And it's going to talk to us about how do we practically live out and experience it. In Philippians 1.27, it says, Whatever happens, as citizens of heaven, live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. This is an anchoring verse in the letter and for our passage this morning. Paul is writing to people who have encountered the good news of Jesus Christ. They're now gospel people, followers of Jesus. And Paul is charging them to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Be gospel people. Be like Jesus in this world and to one another. So I'm going to use this phrase, gospel community, throughout this message Because we're not talking about any kind of community. We're talking about community for people who know Jesus and are rooted in the gospel. So the first point I want to make this morning is about the priceless treasure of gospel community. The gospel community truly is a gift. One of the reasons that the word of God is so important to us is because we forget so easily. In the grind of life, we lose vision for what life with God at the center is meant to look like. And Paul is reminding the Philippians here in this first verse of what we have in Jesus Christ. What we have because of the treasure of the gospel for us. So Philippians 2, verse 1. Therefore, if any of you, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. One of the important things to note um, first is the use of this word if in this verse. I had questions about this. I had to look at some commentators. Because often we use the word if, it implies uncertainty. The way that Paul is using it here means if as if certainly the case. Another way to translate that would be since. Since you have encouragement from being united with Christ, since you have comfort from his love, since you have common sharing 
in the Spirit, since you have tenderness and compassion. I want to quickly look at each of these phrases to remind us of the treasure that the gospel gives us. So the first one, any encouragement from being united with Christ. United with Christ. Paul is speaking about being in relationship with Jesus. Our relationship with Christ is the greatest blessing we have. It took me a long time to figure this out. I grew up in the church. I was so close to the things of God for so long. But I didn't realize until later on in life that knowing and being in relationship with Jesus is the greatest treasure available to us. If any comfort from his love. Pastor Dave shared last Sunday from John 3.16 But the great love of God that he would send his son Jesus for us. When you know someone loves you, there's a great sense of security and comfort that comes from that love. Paul is saying, don't forget the blessing, the treasure of knowing that Christ really does love you. If any common sharing in the spirit, common sharing could also be translated fellowship. Every believer has fellowship with the Holy Spirit because the Spirit of God resides in you. There's a relationship with the Spirit of God that brings guidance and leadership and power to every Christ follower. And the final one, if any tenderness and compassion. When a person comes to Jesus, they're given a new heart and new sensitivities. This tenderness refers to that inner place of emotions. There's a new affection. And the compassion refers to the outward direction of those emotions. So to sum up this verse, because of Christ and the gospel, a Christ follower has so much going for them. There's the gift of being in relationship with God, having his love and his spirit. And there's a newness of life within us that impacts how we now live. And out of these blessings, Paul reminds us there's an expectation now to be a different kind of community. In verse 2, he starts out with the word then. So because of all this then, make my joy complete. Paul is expressing the heart of a parent here. I've heard my dad tell me how much it means to him that his three kids get along and actually enjoy being in relationship with one another. Uh, As our kids get older, I think Yvonne and I get that more and more. It's the delight of a parent to see their kids being in relationship, enjoying being together, loving each other. It doesn't happen as often as we would like, but when it does, it is really sweet. And Paul is saying, it gives me so much joy to hear you are living out the gospel and how you relate to one another. And then he paints a picture of what this gospel community is supposed to look like. Being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. I was thinking about how do I illustrate what Paul is talking about, this togetherness kind of community. And I thought of a great symphony orchestra. 
When you, when you stop to think about an orchestra, it's a display of unbelievable unity and togetherness. It truly is amazing that each instrument in the orchestra has been crafted in a unique way. There's so much variety to the instruments from the string and the wind and percussion. Each instrument has been made to create a unique sound. And then a composer writes out this complicated set of instructions for each instrument. And a musician practices for hours on end to master the piece. And then a conductor brings it all together to create a beautiful song to the delight of a listener's ear. And Paul is describing a unity like this, which involves a togetherness for God's people at all levels, in mind, in heart, and in soul, and in all aspects of values and identity and mission. God wants this togetherness and oneness for his people. This is the dream, and this is the fight that calls us to live in unity with one another. And it's a gift when you experience a great symphony orchestra. And when you experience gospel community, it's a treasure to delight in. One of the things I noticed in the baptism testimonies that we've had recently is the role that community played in each person's story and their testimony. It wasn't just about me and Jesus. Other people came alongside them to encourage them in their faith. And one of our sisters who got baptized last weekend, uh, she shared this in her testimony. At that point in my life, when I didn't want to live, a sister in Christ told me, God sees you and loves you. And that broke me. I needed to stop living to please others. I am loved for who I am. No matter what I do, nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus. That's gospel community. That's calling out in another believer to live out the truth that Jesus loves you, the truth of the gospel. And this is an example of the togetherness that God wants for us that's deep and strong because it's rooted in Christ and what is gospel truth. Yet this kind of community is not built without cost. Uh, So the second point this morning is the real cost of building gospel community. Everybody wants the treasure of this kind of community to be known and loved and cared for. I think the question for us is, are we willing to pay the price and embrace the real cost of building it? Verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, whether in humility value others above yourself. I think we completely underestimate the role that humility plays in building community. It's an essential part for us to to build gospel community. There's a story about a a town. It must have been a a small town. Uh, In in that town, there was a man that was so humble that the the city council wanted to honor him and to recognize him. So they put put together an award ceremony. 
And they presented him with this medallion. I don't know what was on the medallion. But about a week later, they had to take the medallion away from the man. Uh, They were shocked to find that throughout the week, he had probably wore the medallion everywhere he went, boasting of his great humility. So one author wrote, Humility is like underwear, essential but indecent if it shows. Humility is a tricky thing for us. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Humility calls us out of ourself. It calls us to not live for our own ambition, to not look to impress others and seek our own glory, but rather to value and esteem others rather than ourselves. Let's be honest about humility, though. No one's given out humility awards anymore in our day. You don't walk around the halls at your school and people stop and applaud you for being so humble. You don't sit in a corporate meeting trying to outdo one another for being the most humble around the table. You don't get affirmation in your neighborhood for having a humble, modest home. Now, this world is all about boasting, impressing, seeking one's own glory. And it was the same way for the Greeks back in Jesus' day. Humility carried such a negative connotation because it was connected to the idea of being a slave. So Paul is writing to a people that get that the struggle is real. In a culture that values status and how you promote yourself, humility cuts against the grain every time. I remember back in high school, um, our youth pastor was giving a lesson on pride and humility. And he was writing on the board all the ways that we could be proud just different examples. And it was, it's embarrassing for me to admit, but every example he put on the board was something that I struggled with. Uh, so humility and pride has been a real battle and issue for me throughout the years. And some of you are thinking, yeah, we know, Jared. You didn't have to tell us. We get it. Paul says, do nothing. God is making no room Or allowance for pride here. Pride is like a destructive weed in the spiritual garden of our lives, in our relationships. We need to ask God to help us to root out pride in us on a consistent basis. Uh, Pastor John Stott, a famous pastor and author, he wrote, At every stage of our Christian development, in every sphere of our Christian discipleship, pride is the greatest enemy, and humility our greatest friend. We can't be dismissive of pride. It's deadly to our spiritual lives. Whether you're new in the Christian faith or you've been walking with Jesus a long time, we need to ask God to continue to check us in the area of pride. We need to invite the Holy Spirit to identify it and sever it in our lives. No excuses. So what does pride look like? Pride is looking for other people's attention and approval. 
Pride is having difficulty in rejoicing in other people's successes. Pride is being unwilling to admit you're wrong and apologize. Pride is having a high opinion and assessment of yourself and therefore looking down on others. Pride is being unwilling to listen to other people's feedback. And and pride could be having a low view of yourself and insecurities that leads you to focus on yourself all the time. Pride is never good for us. God's heart for us is that we would walk in humility because it's the best way for us to live. Because pride blocks us from experiencing our relationship with God and also living in community with others. I really believe if we want to grow in experiencing and living out authentic gospel community, we need to grow in humility. We need to be relentless in turning away and repenting of pride and asking the Holy Spirit to forge humility in us. I felt prompted this week that I need to do something this morning that might not seem like a big deal to you, but it's a a big deal to, to me. So I love sports. I think there's a lot of fun and good in sports, life lessons that you can learn. But there's a dark side to sports, a vanity and a glory that can get out of hand. So I, I want to invite you to give me a lot of grace and be patient with me as I share what I'm about, about to share. I have to be completely honest this morning. I have never been a Cubs fan. And if I can be completely truthful, I delight every time the Cubs lose. No, okay. You're working against me, man. <laughs> so, so hear me out. Hear where I'm going with this. So a couple years ago, I became a St. Louis Cardinals fan out of spite and animosity. Um, I actually like being a Cardinals fan now, and there is some purity to my fanhood. But anyway, this week, I really felt convicted about how much I've allowed my heart to be affected in this area and how I've let pride take root. And and so I'm responding to what I sense as a prompting of the Holy Spirit this morning. And I think it's okay to root for your team. And if you love your team, you root against your rival teams. I think that's totally fine and that's totally okay. But what I'm, I feel like God is asking me to deal with is the animosity in my heart that's been built out of some pride. So, okay, we're really doing this. This is my Cardinals hat. So I enjoy wearing this hat. And I will continue to wear this hat, not out of spite, uh, but I enjoy being a Cardinals fan. So I'm going to set this aside. I have a Cubs hat here. I have never in my life worn any Cubs gear. And I'm not doing this as a gimmick or a performance, but I believe God is asking me to wear this Cubs hat for the rest of the message this morning. So uh, we are doing this. uh. So some of you now don't want this sermon to end. I'm thinking, how can I end this sermon as soon as possible? But let's be honest here. It's amazing how we let silly things build walls of pride in our hearts, in our lives, and really take strongholds 
that we need to ask God to tear down. My brothers and sisters, can I ask us to invite the Spirit of God to root out pride in us? That we would make no allowance for it and ask God to build humility in us so we can experience gospel community together. It's really weird wearing a hat while you're preaching. So So along with pride, self-focus and self-centeredness can bankrupt community. Yvonne and I recently saw the movie Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, We both read the book. Um, For many, it's just a fun comedy, Uh, but it really impacted me and especially Yvonne at much deeper places. Uh, Before she moved to Australia, she grew up in Singapore, so she could connect a lot of the struggles in the movie. And Singapore is a beautiful and amazing country. Every time I've had a chance to visit there, I love being there. It's like a utopia land with amazing people and amazing food. Yet the dark side of Singapore is a land of prosperity and wealth and status. And the movie definitely highlights this struggle in Singapore. It's all about building your own kingdom centered on family wealth. And whoever gets in your way, you take them out. And this isn't unique to Singapore. There's a pervasive drive in our world to build one's own kingdom of self. Look out for number one, me and my family. Whatever threatens us is eliminated. We will prosper at the expense of others. And we also live in a selfie culture, right? Look at me. Look at what I did. It's all about me. And this kingdom of self is so counter to the way of Jesus. This is not gospel community. So in verse 4, it says, Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. To follow Christ and to build gospel community, we need to turn away from the kingdom of self and look towards the interests of others. So how do you take interest in someone else? In any relationship, to take an interest in someone else, you see them. You pay attention to them. You pursue them. You take the initiative in the relationship and you seek them out. You spend more time listening rather than talking. You ask good questions to get to know them and show genuine care and concern for them. One of the things that helps me as I'm interacting with someone is I ask myself the question, what is core in this person's life right now? What is the main thing going on in their life right now? It might be a relationship. It might be a health issue. It might be their job situation. And whatever it is, if I can identify it, I try to seek to pursue that thing that's most core in them. And that will help them feel known and loved and cared for. And when we do this mutually towards one another, back and forth, it builds gospel community. Another great way to live out this selflessness is looking to serve others when a need arises. Giving up time and resources to come alongside someone else in their time of need. 
eliminates the kingdom of self. It builds for the kingdom of God. I, I really believe we have a lot of work to do to build gospel community. Pride and selfishness are woven into the very fabric of our culture. And so they infect the church. It will not be easy, and there's a real price to pay. Humility and selflessness will require an extraordinary cost. And this isn't a one-time cost. It over and over again. We have to remember, though, that Christ is the one who paid the ultimate price. And he is the source of our community. He lived out the values of humility and selflessness that he wants for his people. And he will empower us as we seek after him. So as I close, I want to read the next few verses of Philippians 2 and point us back to Jesus. Verse 5, in your relationships with one another, so Paul is still talking about community, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had. Let that sink in for a moment. God is asking us to be like Jesus to one another. Live like Christ towards each other. And when God asks something of us, he is willing to supply the strength and the resources that are required. God wants to empower us to have the same attitude that Jesus himself had. And then Paul goes on to esteem and lift up Christ for his humility and selflessness and the one who now reigns as a name above all names, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a human being. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the ultimate display of humility and selflessness, Jesus deferred his heavenly throne to become a man. And he became obedient to the Father by going to the cross. The cross of Christ confronts us in our pride, in our self-centeredness. We can't look at the cross and think, oh, my sin is no big deal. It's okay to have a little pride. It's okay to be a little selfish. No, we need to come clean and confess of our pride and self-centeredness and how we have not lived in a manner worthy of the gospel and how we have violated gospel community. And Jesus, Jesus is our great hope for gospel community. No matter how much of a struggle it has been for you to experience this togetherness kind of community, Jesus is the one who wants it for us. He is the one who can build it in us. 
We need to look to Christ. And we can't minimize Christ's power and his authority to build this kind of community in us. The Holy Spirit will lead us as we seek after God together. I want to invite us now to respond by spending some time in quiet prayer uh, before the praise team leads us in a couple of final songs. Uh, so I want to just invite you to just have a posture of prayer and to come before God uh, wherever you're at. I really believe pride is a big deal for us, the church. Self-centeredness is an issue for us, the church. So I want to ask you to invite God to show you any areas of pride in your life. Any areas where you are living for your own glory and promotion. Any ways that you are building your own kingdom. And sometimes in our stories, when we experience pain or disappointment, it's the very place that the enemy comes in and begins to build a wall of pride. So I want you to ask the Spirit of God to reveal, to to identify any areas of pride in you. And then I want to ask you to come clean and tell God you are sorry, that you you don't want to live like this anymore. And to turn from the sin Receive his forgiveness and grace and mercy over you. The Father heart of God is that he loves you and he wants what's best for you. And the truth is that pride and self-centeredness is not what is best for you. He wants you to live humbly and selflessly like his son, Jesus so you can experience just the connection with him, that you can experience the treasure of gospel community. So I want to give you a few moments in quiet prayer, and then the praise team will lead us out in a final couple songs. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.